Margaret looked around upon the nursery, the first room in that house with which she had become familiar nine years ago, when she was brought, all untamed from the New Forest, to share the home, the play, and the lessons of her cousin Edith. She remembered the dark, dim look of the London nursery, presided over by an austere and ceremonious nurse, who was terribly particular about clean hands and torn frocks. At home, before she came to live in Harley Street, her mother's dressing-room had been her nursery, and as they kept early hours in the country parsonage, Margaret had always had her meals with her father and mother. Oh, well did the tall, stately girl of eighteen remember the tears shed with such wild passion of grief by the little girl of nine as she hid her face under the bedclothes in that first night, and how she was bidden not to cry by the nurse because it would disturb Miss Edith. Now she had got to love the old nursery, though it was but a dismantled place, and she looked all round with a kind of cat-like regret at the idea of leaving it for ever in three days. Margaret went down laden with shawls and snuffing up their spicy eastern smell. Her aunt asked her to stand as a sort of lay figure on which to display them, as Edith was still asleep. Her tall, finely made figure set off the long, beautiful folds of the gorgeous shawls that would have half-smothered Edith. Just then the door opened, and Mr. Henry Lennox was suddenly announced. Mrs. Shaw held out her hand to the newcomer. Margaret stood perfectly still, but looking at Mr. Lennox with a bright, amused face, as if sure of his sympathy and her sense of the ludicrousness at being thus surprised. Her aunt was so much absorbed in asking Mr. Henry Lennox, who had not been able to come to dinner, all sorts of questions about his brother, the bridegroom, his sister, the bridesmaid, coming with the captain from Scotland for the occasion, and various other members of the Lennox family, that Margaret saw she was no more wanted as shawl-bearer, and devoted herself to the amusement of the other visitors whom her aunt had for the moment forgotten. Almost immediately Edith came in from the back drawing-room, winking and blinking her eyes at the stronger light, shaking back her slightly ruffled curls. As Margaret sank rather more into the background on her cousin's joining the conversation, she saw Henry Lennox directing his look towards a vacant seat near her, and she knew perfectly well that as soon as Edith released him from her questioning, he would take possession of that chair. She had not been quite sure, from her aunt's rather confused account of his engagements, whether he would come that night. It was almost a surprise to see him, and now she was sure of a pleasant evening. He liked and disliked pretty nearly the same things that she did. Margaret's face was lightened up into an honest, open brightness. By and by he came. She received him with a smile which had not a tinge of shyness or self-consciousness in it. Well, I suppose you are all in the depths of business. Ladies' business, I mean. Very different to my business, which is the real, true law business. Playing with shawls is very different work to drawing up settlements. Ah, I knew you would be amused to find us all so occupied in admiring finery. But really, Indian shawls are very perfect things of their kind. I have no doubt they are. Their prices are very perfect, too. Nothing wanting. The gentlemen came dropping in one by one, and the buzz and noise deepened in tone. This is your last dinner party, is it not? There are no more before Thursday. No. I think after this evening we shall feel at rest, which I am sure I have not done for many weeks. At least, that kind of rest when the hands have nothing more to do and all the arrangements are complete for an event which must occupy one's head and heart. I shall be glad to have time to think, and I am sure Edith will. I'm not so sure about her. 
but I can fancy that you will. Whenever I have seen you lately, you have been carried away by a whirlwind of some other person's making. Yes, said Margaret, rather sadly, remembering the never-ending commotion about trifles that had been going on for more than a month past. I wonder if a marriage must always be preceded by what you call a whirlwind, or whether in some cases there might not be a calm and peaceful time just before it. But how would you have a wedding arranged? asked Mr. Lennox. Oh, I've never thought much about it. Only I should like it to be a very fine summer morning, and I should like to walk to church through the shade of trees, and not to have so many bridesmaids and to have no wedding breakfast. I dare say I am resolving against the very things that have given me the most trouble just now. No, I don't think you are. The idea of stately simplicity accords well with your character. Margaret did not quite like this speech. She winced away from it, remembering...